people to God. And that we would connect people to people. That's the second part of our calling, so that you don't have to do this all by yourself. You are not called to be a believer all by yourself. You need other people in your life to encourage you, to pray for you, to strengthen you, to hold you accountable. You need other people in your life. And finally, God created something only you can do. And so he created you for a special purpose and a reason. And so you need to connect with your calling, your God-given calling. Whatever that is, however you fit into God's plan, that is your call. We have a very kind of simple philosophy that we've been operating this year, and that's the the go philosophy, kind of what you heard there, kind of a rebirth of, of the original great commandment, excuse me, great commission that uh, was given to the church in Matthew chapter 28. We'll begin there. It'll be on the screen behind me, but also in, in your Bibles in, in Matthew chapter 28, beginning of verse 18. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus' message to his church is very clear. I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to teach and train everything that I've commanded you to do, and that's been the call of our church and especially this year we've been focusing in in 2011 that we would equip you and challenge you each week to go and be disciples to go and make disciples to to obey everything that God's commanded you to do to remember that God is with you through it all we began by celebrating with Pastor Merrill and then we started a series called the story of and we talked about the story of our lives and what is the story of our life writing and who is the author and what is the theme and All those different great messages that we talked about writing that story for God. And then we went into the God is Greater Than series that we we were even in last week where we talked about God's greater than anything we face, anything we're going through, any worry that we might have, death, sin, hell, the grave. There's nothing stronger than God. And so we've been talking about that. And the whole purpose of this is to equip us to be mature. That's what I believe God is calling our church to be and and to do. And and God's calling you to be mature. As you read through the New Testament, there's no higher calling for a New Testament believer than to grow in his or her maturity in the Lord. And so that's why we preach the way we do and teach the way we do. And we want to see that maturity in your life. We want to see you active in following Christ. And so that's why for eight Wednesday nights, I, I just took about an hour and a half each Wednesday night, and we talked about eight things that we need to be active in as we follow the Lord. And we started with loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Loving our neighbor as ourselves. The first thing is love. The greatest commandment. That's what we're called to do as the church. And, and so if you're going to follow God, you, you can't just know about love. You've got to live in love. You've got to live and worship Him. You've got to live and love your neighbors. Then we talked about being an active attender or member of a church. God wants you to be a part of His family. That He wants you in the large group gatherings, kind of like on a Saturday night or Sunday morning, but also in a small group gathering as well with other people walking the Christian life. And so we have to be a member or a tender of His church. We need to have an active devotional life so that we can have a constant relationship with Jesus and and keep growing in that. The next one is we have to be an active learner. That's about maturity. We don't just cross the starting line, you know, of, of saying, hey, I follow Jesus, I've given my heart to him. That's the starting line, not the finishing line. And we've got to remember that we have to keep going and growing in our lives, so we need to be an active learner. 
We need to be an active server, using the gifts that God gave us to serve His church and serve the world. We need to be active in evangelism. We need to be active sharing our faith, telling our testimony, bringing others to know Jesus Christ. We need to be an active giver, giving of our finances to the Lord. It's the the number one thing that rules our world is money. And we need to show that we don't serve money, we serve the Lord. And the only way to do that is by actively giving to God, to His kingdom, to His work. And so we need to be an active giver. And finally, we have to have active integrity. Because we're a church, we don't check up on these things. I don't check up on what you're reading as far as Bible study or praying or, or giving. Or I, I, we don't check up on you. This is between you and the Lord. And, and so you have to be a person of integrity. When no one else is looking and no one's checking up on you, are you serving God? Are you following Him? And so we talked about these things. And if you missed any of these, you can go online. You can actually watch them. They're videos online and you can go and you can train and you can learn but but the whole point is that we would be mature followers of Christ because I don't know about you I want big I, I, I want us to be a church that has tremendous faith I want I want us to be a church that sees amazing things happen for the Lord I, I want I want to be so close to God that, that that when we pray things happen that's what I want to see for our lives and I want to see that for your life as an individual I love and we're not going to read it but in second Kings chapter 20, you can look there. It's the story of Isaiah coming and he comes and tells Hezekiah, you don't have much time left. Get your affairs in order. It's, it's over. It's over. You're done. And in verse 2, Hezekiah begins to cry out before the Lord. Begins to humble himself and pray. And then God, as the prophet is leaving, turns him around and brings him back. And by verse 6, we see God has added 15 years to his life and promised him victory over his enemies. That is what God does when people come to him and they pray. And they come with a humble heart and they ask for for big things. And I believe God is looking for people of big faith in these end times. And I want to be that church because we are seeing amazing miracles happening. And I want to see even more. I want to see signs and wonders. I want to see God moving. I want to see people come to know Jesus Christ. I want to see revival happen. And we have to be people of faith. And so I want to see our church grow in maturity and grow in faith. I've been hearing stories of, of, of people like George Mueller. And, and if you don't know who that is, just Google it online. Amazing man of faith. He and his wife decided for their family that they would be a family based on faith, that God would provide for all of their needs. And they lived in England and they said, God's going to provide for all of our needs. And you can say, well, that's, that's interesting. But what you don't know about him is that he and his wife adopted 2,000 orphans. And they just believed that God would provide. Can you imagine 2,000 children in your home taking the Ascension Convention home with you? Can you imagine how many schools that would require? How much food that would require each day? How much, how much laundry that would be? I mean, can you begin to think about and they said, you know what, we're just going to live by faith. And God always provided. They'd show up at last minute with meals for, for, for all the kids. And, and just tremendous stories of faith. My favorite one comes is he had a, a, a meeting in Canada. So he had to go from England all the way to Canada. And uh, so they took the ship and, and, and the, the uh, meeting was about to happen. But they couldn't pull into the port because of the fog. And it, was, it would not lift and would not lift. And, and, and the captain wouldn't take it any closer in, in fear of, of, of you know, uh, sinking the ship. And, and George Mueller told the captain, I, I have to be at this meeting. I've never missed a meeting in my life. And, 
He said, well, there's nothing we can do. He said, we can pray. So they went to the bottom of the ship, he and the captain, and they got on their knees, and, and this is what George Mueller prayed. He said, God, you know that I have a meeting. You know that we've never missed a meeting. And God, we believe that you've appointed me to go to this meeting. So Lord, we just pray that in the next five minutes, the, the fog lifts and that we can go in and I can make the meeting. In Jesus' name, amen. It's just a Sunday school kind of prayer. The, the, captain, the captain actually is the one that retells the story, if you look online. And, and he said, it was so simple. Uh, it was like a kid was praying it. And, um, and he thought, well, I better be nice and pray something too. So, uh, so he got on his knees and began to pray. And George Mueller put his hand on his and said, there's no need to pray. And the captain said, why? He said, well, two things. Number one, uh, you don't believe God will actually do it, so I don't want you praying. And number two, it is, I've already prayed it and it's done. And so he walked up and, and sure enough, the fog was clear. And they brought it into port. I mean, that's the type of faith I'm talking about. And this isn't just for a few. This is for his church. And we talked about it last week that, that, that God is greater than. He's got all power, all authority. And I want us to have such a relationship with God, such a faith in God, keeping our eyes on God, not on the signs and wonders, not on, but keeping our eyes on God, that we believe that God can change the world. That we believe that he will use us to do that. I want us to be those kind of people. And as we review the year that's been, and it's funny doing it when we do it, because we always do it kind of at the beginning of summer, and, and so it's kind of mid-year, but I just want to share with you my heart. I am just so profoundly thankful. I, I, when we have our staff meetings, we, we always begin with prayer, and it's, it's one of those moments where it's kind of like, I couldn't be happier with what God is doing or the staff that he's given us, or the people that come to church, or, or what God is doing, and the answers to prayer, and uh, the, the, the times of worship, the word, and whatever's happening. I just, I'm so profoundly thankful. And, and we have to realize where that comes from, and it comes from God. That when we worship and he shows up, I and mean, there's nothing like that, and, and I want us just to be thankful to God. And, and so a lot of times we'll just spend time just thanking God for how good he is, because you know what? We can't make God show up. can't make God do anything. It comes from a relationship with Him. And I want us to keep that thankful, open, honest relationship with God. And I also want to say thank you to you as God's people because um, it, while, our, while our numbers are growing, and, and that's good, I just want to thank God that um, you guys are so faithful to the kingdom, so faithful in your giving, so faithful in coming. When we have prayer meetings, I can't tell you how many people show up. It's wonderful. It's awesome. And, and it's never one person doing a ministry or, or giving or, or you know, working behind the scenes. There's so many people that are doing it. And we're all together and we're a family. And I just love that. About this time last year, I went on sabbatical. And um, I was gone for 10 weeks. And when I returned, uh, there were a couple changes. Uh, one I knew about, one I didn't. Uh, the one I knew about was that we were going to change how we did children's ministry, and just want to give you an update on that. Uh, Brooke, uh, who's Brooke Dancy now, was Brooke Moss before, but Brooke uh, moved from uh, here to Florida and got married, and uh, she is now serving with her husband in a church down there, and, and we're thrilled for her, but that changed how we do children's ministry. We do it with a task force now. Pastor Fred leads a team of volunteer adults, and they rotate on Sundays and Wednesdays when we meet, and uh, they do a great job. They're putting our VBS together. 
can't speak highly enough about them. And that does not mean we will not hire a children's person in the future. It's just that that's how it's being run right now. And so I want to say thank you to all of those people. And if you ever have a question about children's ministry, please see Pastor Fred. He's with our children tonight, so um, you can connect with him. But uh, he would have any answers to that. Uh, Another thing that changed when I came back uh, from sabbatical was we had more difficulty with our building out west. And, And again, I didn't know about this one. And it got to the point where we really couldn't meet there anymore. I shared a lot about this a while ago. And so we had to change how we do West Campus. And while there's a great core small group of people that are still out there, they make the drive into Mount Prospect and they worship with us on Saturdays and Sundays. And so that's been a change since last year. So the West Campus doesn't meet on the weekends. Um, and so again, uh, meeting here, and, and that's going to lead to new things that we'll talk about later on. But we've seen tremendous growth, especially in our youth group. I don't know if you uh, uh, have been here on a Wednesday night when our young people are meeting, but they're exploding. In fact, they are now meeting in our sanctuary on Wednesday nights, and uh, there's kids everywhere. It's exciting what God is doing. And uh, with the growth of our youth group, uh, we've now grown over the 600 member mark with the young people that are coming. And so that's an exciting thing. Not, not young people, but overall church when we add our young people with us. And so we're excited about that. But they have a large group on Wednesday nights. And I just appreciate Pastor Jonathan and Rebecca. All the, all the ministries that, that take place here and, and all the retreats and everything, men, women, um, uh, the encounter groups, all the activities, they're good things are happening. I, I just appreciate our church leadership when I get together with our staff, with our pastors, with our elders, with our pastor's council. I just look around the table at these gatherings and I realize that we have a strong foundation. And I want to give you a verse in Ephesians 4.12 that I share with our staff every year. And I say, this is what we do. It says, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work, uh, to do his work, excuse me, and build up the church the body of Christ. And so that's what we do is we teach and we train and, and so that you can um, uh, do the work of ministry that God's called you to do. I want to talk about finances uh, quickly as well, and that's inside the bulletin. You can look and uh, see that. Uh, the temptation is now to kind of look at that rather than me talking. But I'm not going to talk a lot about things on here, but I do want to explain uh, a little bit to you. Uh, first of all, we put in our giving what comes in plus uh, what our goal is for each month in the bulletin. So you can see that every first weekend of the month. And um, just let me give you a background to giving because this is only the last two years. But a number of years ago, uh, we hit a crisis point. The giving had been going down consistently, as you know, the economy a number of years ago. But, but in 2008, uh, we came to a, a critical moment uh, where, we, where we ended up uh, ending the year severely in the red. And it took 2009, 2010, tremendous cuts. Um, many people on the staff sacrificed, and, and we don't need to talk about that, but we just, you know, we sacrificed, we cut back, all these things that had to be done, and it took a couple of years to get caught up. So when you look at the bottom of these last two years that we've had, you might see a surplus of money which is great, but it's really not a surplus of money. It's paying for bills that came a long time ago. So we were very far behind, so we had to get caught up. And, um, and so that's what it, it took a couple years to do that. More cuts have been made this year, 
And uh, we do that so that we can remain strong and generous as a church. And you'll see those cuts reflected in next year's balance sheet. Uh, when I got back from sabbatical, I uh, had to share with the church that once again, we found ourselves $40,000 behind and um, that giving needed to increase or some uh, other cuts would have to be made. And, um, and it, was, it was a pretty serious situation. And I can't tell you uh, how exciting and thankful I am as, as the year continued on. People kept giving and giving and giving and get, got caught up. And not only did we make up what we were short, we went ahead and then were able to sow seeds into other ministries that were not getting ahead. And uh, there were pastors that actually graduated from our college that hadn't taken a salary because their church was doing so bad. They were about to lose their home. And we were able to, to send them money. Um, and, and help them out. We were able to help churches out. In fact, we were able to help a church out this week that's going through a difficult time. We are able to, to reach out. If you remember Garth Heckman and, and uh, his sickness, and, and what's, we were able to send an offering to him, and, and, and all these different things we were able to do because of your faithfulness. And, and so I want to say this, and I'm really excited about this, is that this year uh, we have been more generous than we've ever been as a church as far as, as giving money away to missions and people in need. And, 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 and yet, right now, I can say that we are all caught up. Every bill has been paid. And, um, and God is going to allow us to continue to be generous. Let, let, me t- let me explain to you what that means. And I, I know that you don't see this, but as pastors and elders, we, we have... The, the payment records, like what is 30 days due, 60 days, 90, 120, 120 plus. So we, we, and because we were so far behind, it was almost depressing to look at that because we saw how much we owed all the time. And, and, and but yet we just believed and, and, and we, didn't, we didn't shirk any responsibility. We paid every bill, uh, not on time, but we paid every bill and paid and paid and paid. And that, that page is blank now. All bills are paid. Everything's caught up. And you know why? It's because we never stopped being generous. We never stopped, uh, you know, we took some cuts, but we never stopped giving to missions. We never stopped helping churches that were in need or pastors that were in need or, or just wherever we needed to be. We, we made the cuts, but we were generous. And so we are, we have no outstanding bills. And God has blessed us. And uh, um, we also have the Church of Bethlehem that meets here, and they do uh, pay a monthly rent. It, it's not a lot. It wouldn't be as much as if they rented a movie theater or a high school or something like that. But let me tell you how the Church of Bethlehem came to be this past year. We were having trouble finding a place to meet out west, and it was getting kind of uh, serious because there was no place to meet, and every door was shutting. And I, 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 just was, I was praying. I was just seeking, God, why is nothing opening up? And, and God spoke to me so clearly. He said, it's because you don't share what you have. And uh, I shared that with my dad. I shared that with our staff. I shared that with the elders. Like, I believe God is calling us to open our doors to another church and to help them grow. Um, and, uh, and I believe that God will bless us because of that. And, um, so, and we weren't just going to take anybody that came through the door. Had to be, uh, and it wasn't about the money. It was about the, the same spirit you know, that, that, that we, you know, we could pray together, we could worship together, that we serve the Lord. We want to see God's kingdom grow. We want to see our church grow. We want to see their church grow. We want to see that. And the Church of Bethlehem came, and I want to tell you, and you can talk to Pastor Merrill, I, I can't imagine a better relationship 
with a, with another church. They're they're Presbyterian, and you know what's fun is like because they don't know anything about spirit filled things. But they said that when they started meeting here, because they were meeting somewhere else, I won't tell you where, but they started meeting here. They said we've never felt the presence of God like we do when we walk in this place. There's something here, and and so that's that's um, that's exciting. But it goes both ways because they're you know they are here every morning, every morning at 5 a.m. praying every morning. Don't think that we don't receive some of that, okay? So we receive, they receive, and it's a great relationship. And again, that is reflected, or probably will be more reflected next year in our balance sheet. Let me talk about missions. And uh, we support over 20 missions or missionaries uh, around the world. You can look at the map in the lobby. You can see who those men and women are and uh, the tremendous ministries out there. Uh, We did not cut any missionaries. Uh, We thought maybe we would have to as things got worse and worse. But, what, but instead what we did is we wanted to review what they're doing on, on the field. Uh, so what we did is we sent out a questionnaire. It was quite long. Pastor Merrill can tell you more about it. Uh, but it was a questionnaire just kind of saying, what are you doing? Who are you accountable to? Are you doing what we first sent you out to do? You know, how much of uh, a percentage do we make up of your monthly income? And just all these things. And um, then Pastor Merrill received all the information back, met with uh, Lars Svensson and, and me. And, uh, and it's kind of the missions committee. And so we just kind of looked over. And I want to tell you, the men and women in the field are doing unbelievable things for God. I, I was just so, it's like, how can you cut? You know, we end up giving more because it's like, it's just like, how can you cut that? It's just amazing what God is doing. And um, so not, we didn't cut any. In fact, we added um, more missionaries. So let me tell you about them real quickly this last year. Um, one is Addie O'Connor. She's with Mission Possible. Perhaps you remember Addie. She's from Ireland. She sings beautiful. She's been here and given her testimony. And, um, and she travels the world. I don't know somebody that has given their life more. Um, never been married. Just, you know, just loves the Lord. Serves the Lord. Travels all over the world for Mission Possible. And, um, and uh, she just does it by faith. And so we wanted to give her just a little bit each month. And uh, again, that's Addie O'Connor from Mission Possible. You'll see her on the board sooner. Another ministry that you'll see on the board soon is called Africa Rescue. Africa Rescue. And this is a brand new organization. I really like what they're doing. They go into war torn areas. And they, not only, they work with the local churches for families that are in need. And they purchase um, goats and cows, and they build houses. And this is what's really cool. Now, we're supporting them monthly, but, but when uh, they return, we're going to be talking with them because they're in Rwanda right now working some networking with some churches. But here's what we could do as a church, or you could even do as an individual, is you just make a commitment for a year, two, three years, and you say, I want to give this much to, uh, to this family. And you pick out a family, and you can give to them. Maybe it's maybe you're you know ten dollars a month till you buy a cow or you know you can buy them and you can buy them an entire house which may sound big but over there really not that big a few thousand dollars will buy them a brand new home and and then they will deliver that in your name but here's the really cool thing if you want to they invite you and they would like you to come over there and hand the keys to that new home to that family or hand that cow to that new family or the goat or whatever you're purchasing whatever they need changes their life. It changes their life, and they're part of a local church over there, and then they can give to that church. They can be a blessing over there. And, um, again, we're going to be a part of that, and I, I'm excited about that. And uh, so we want to we sow into that. 
Josh Angel, who is now ministering in Mexico with his parents. Josh was here a few weeks ago, uh, shared from uh, the pulpit here, and, and uh, he is off into Mexico. We're supporting him each month. We gave a gift to Garth Heckman, who you know is battling uh, stage four cancer. Uh, but we wanted to do something more because he's planting a church. Uh, well, he's been planting a church, and he has no income uh, from that church because it's, it's small. It's just beginning, and, and whatever he does get would never pay the bills. And so uh, we're going to sow a seed into a new church, and we're going to help, help with that pastor. So we're going to give to him uh, each month. And so we give to uh, Garth and uh, the church plants up there. We also help to pack and ship two uh, full meals to the Philippines. I don't even know how many thousands of meals we packed uh, the two, past two times we packed, but we, we did that through Feed My Starving Children. And we did that, if you remember, when I shared with the church that we were so far in debt last year, um, and we're going to sow a seed, and we're going to see what happens. And so that was the very first thing we did. And look what God did. He, he took care of everything. And, and it's just amazing. And that's to God be the glory. So great things are happening around the world. Uh, just this before we dive into just a thought from God's word. As far as the church goes, I just want to tell you what a blessing it is to have the freedom to minister far beyond our, our walls. I, I count it a privilege to be pastor here. Like I said, I, I, on the worst day, I just love pulling up, parking, walking upstairs to the office, or coming down the sanctuary, or going to the prayer room. I just, it's just such a thrill and a joy. Um, but, but I want you to realize it's not just about here. I want you to know that your pastors are ministering all over the world. And, um, and that's because we allow them to, to have that impact. And Pastor Merrill not only travels to India, but teaches in various places. And somebody might need somebody to come to the pulpit for a weekend, and he can go and minister. Same with Pastor Fred. Uh, he'll be doing that for a church this summer and, and doing that. We've uh, allowed Pastor Harry for the past several years to be at All Nations Church and, and Homewood as their interim pastor in a very difficult time for them. So we are really reaching churches. I remember one Sunday I was preaching here. Pastor John Jensen was, was leading worship and preaching somewhere. My dad was preaching somewhere. Pastor Fred was preaching somewhere. And Pastor Harry, we, were, we, were, we had five churches in our area covered by the pastors of this church. And then you think about the conferences I uh, just was at the North Central Regional Conference. Also, our church uh, and I uh, am the vice president of the North Central Region. We oversee 10 states and the pastors and churches in 10 states. And um, was able to minister and, and, and preach at, at the Northwest Convention for the Full Gospel Fellowship. And so our impact goes far beyond just here at home. It's impacting churches, hundreds of churches, thousands of people. I think of the Ascension Convention. Um, and the impact that we have on there. We had the FCA convention the next week, and pastors came up when they found out we, we hosted the Ascension Convention. They kept saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. You don't know what that meant to our youth, to our church, and what God has done. We were part of the Fellowship of Christian Assemblies, the Full Gospel Fellowship, another uh, fellowship of churches in Kansas City. So um, I just want to tell you that uh, the impact of Christian life goes far beyond just 400 East Gregory Street each weekend. And beyond that... Uh, I love what God's doing right here. Because I want to tell you, uh, I just sensed in my spirit one time in a staff meeting, I'm like, we need salvation packets because I believe God's going to save people. I just said it in a staff meeting, and they put them together. And our big faith, we made like 25 of them. Yay, wow, that, that should last us all year, right? <clears throat> I'm happy to report that through the bags that we've given away and cards we've received back, that over 50 people since Easter have made decisions for Jesus Christ at our church. And that is, uh, 
So I think we might have ran out the second week or something. It was kind of funny. So, but again, it's, it's just one of the things where you have faith and you believe and you say, okay, let's make them. And then God does something. And what's really cool is people are just taking them because they said, you know, I'm witnessing to this friend at work and I, I think they're close. Can I just take one for them? I'm like, get it out of here. Yes, absolutely. Get it in their hands. So I'm excited about that. Our new website that was launched last year is the number one way people find out about our church and come to our church. And um, I know it's funny to, to say this because um, it has to do with our sermons, but uh, there's, our sermons are downloaded a thousand times a month. That means a thousand people a month are listening to the sermons from Christian Life Church. And that's, that's, that blows me away. And, and it comes from here and all around the world. Uh, we, if you see on your balance sheet uh, last year and for some years, we, we kind of cut out all advertising just because we didn't have any money to do it. But now we're beginning to advertise more and we're back on the radio. And um, again, it's all a principle of sowing. You sow the seed. You, you sow seed and, and that's when you can reap a harvest. And so, again, we're starting to do that now. Another thing I want us to do is start inviting people to church. And all the sermons won't be as boring as tonight, so you can bring it back. But, um, but I'm excited about what God's doing, so that's good. We invite you to church. That's all it says. It gives our church, gives our website, phone number, address. So all you got to do, just invite somebody to church. And so there's, there, we bought so many of these cards, it's not even funny. So take as many as you want, and we're going to believe that we're going to have to make so many packets that uh, we have to put a line item in the budget for packets. But um, just invite people to church. We've got plenty of room on Saturdays. So it's getting a little full on Sundays, but hey, we'll start Sunday night. It'll be great. So invite people to church. Invite them to know Jesus Christ, because I believe there's a, there's a harvest coming. Another thing I'm excited about is via video camera. We have a brand new video camera back there now because we are now streaming our services live on the internet. Now, I'm not sure where all this is going in the future, but I've already heard, and we haven't even put this on our website. I've just made some announcements on Facebook, and Pastor Merrill's told a few people, and I want to tell you, people are already watching our services online. And um, in fact, Pastor Merrill told me a story of a mother and daughter in two different states that have a connection to Christian life, weren't able to go to church last week. So they tuned in to our service. And so they're in two different states on the phone talking to each other, saying, oh yeah, that's so, you know, just, isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? So, um, um, so anyway, if you're watching, thank you for watching. I don't know what all that's going to lead to. But you know what's interesting? I was, uh, we were ministering at a, a pastor's conference in uh, Ohio, a very small town in Ohio. I mean, there were a lot of people there because church people came as well, but there were about 30 to 40 pastors. So that's kind of what the conference was. And then you add the extra people from the church that came, you know, maybe 100, maybe 200 people. But it was really fun. You know, just God was moving. It was powerful. But they were streaming live, and we put a, an email out because a lot of people couldn't make the conference. And so, so I asked the, the next day, how many people watched last night? And, um, and there were over 200 pastors online watching that service. And I, and I began to think about, I don't know, we, we at least doubled what we were having in church that night. But when you think about it all pastors, we did even more. And it's like, what if we could add another 100, 200, another 1,000 people tuning in, getting the word of God? Again, the principle of sowing. The principle of sowing. I don't know where all the Internet stuff leads to, but I know that I want to get the gospel as far out as can be. If it's on a, a radio station that's over five states, that's great. If it's over the Internet that goes all over the world, that's what we need to do. And so I'm really excited about that. And again, um, that's, uh, I think it's like $20 a month or something like that to do that. So it's unbelievably cheap. 
Because when we first looked at it, it was a lot more expensive, and we said, no, we couldn't. But now, um, that's, uh, that's doable. And so I'm excited about what God is doing. So what does the future hold? And this is where I want to get the spiritual thought from the book of Jonah. I want us to look at something here. And, and if you notice, when I told you to turn to Jonah chapter 5, there is no chapter 5. I don't know if you noticed that or not. What does the future hold for Christian Life Church? What is our chapter 5? There's many thoughts on the book of Jonah. There's so many books and so many commentaries, um, so many sermons on this short book, one of the shortest books in the Bible. You can sit down and read it. This will be your uh, assignment. You could probably read it in 15 minutes or less. It's four short chapters. But we all know the story of Jonah getting swallowed by the fish and going and preaching to Nineveh, and Nineveh repents. And, and, and so we ask ourselves, what is the story of Jonah about? And as I was just praying about the future of our church, this is what I just want to share this with you. The story of Jonah is not about Jonah. And it's not about a big fish. The story of Jonah is about God's heart for Nineveh. The story of Jonah is about God's heart for about 100,000 plus people that didn't know him. That had no idea that they were so far away from him that he was going to have to destroy them. Because God could have just done it, right? Without sending the prophet. But he had a heart for these people. And, and we all know the story. And so let me rehearse the chapters. Chapter 1. God comes to Jonah and says, I want you to go to Nineveh and tell them I'm going to destroy them. He says, no. And he runs away. And he gets on a ship going the opposite direction. And a big storm comes. And they cast lots. And they find out it's Jonah. And he says, my God is a God of the sea and the earth. And, and he's mad at me and throw me overboard. They say, no, no, no. And then eventually they realize they have to and they throw him overboard and he's eaten by the big fish. That's the end of chapter one. Chapter two is Jonah's prayer to the Lord. I don't know about you, but if I'm in the belly of a big fish, I'm going to pray. And so he prays in chapter two. In chapter three, he comes to Nineveh and he preaches the message of destruction. And Nineveh believes this prophet and I always wondered why did they believe this guy? And when, what we find out when we study about Nineveh in history is that there's different cultures worship and honor different things. And you know what Nineveh worshipped and honored? Whales. Big fish. And so this guy shows up that a big fish just spit him up and gives us this message from God. They get it. I love that God can use us even when we run far away from him. There's nothing irredeemable in his hand. Everything works together for good. You know, I love it that God brings them and they believe him, even to the point where the king lowers himself like a beggar. And they, and they repent. And in their repentance, God relents on his judgment. So it leads us to chapter 4, where jo Jonah is very angry. He says, I knew it. I knew you'd do this, God. And what he's so upset about is that he looks like a fool. I'm the prophet of God. I've said this, and now it's not going to happen. And I knew it wasn't going to happen because I know your heart, God. I know you love them. And I, I just, why would you even have me do it? I mean, he's just so angry with God. And so he leaves the city to go out and then to sit and see what God ends up doing to the city because maybe his little rant would make God then destroy the city. So he goes out, and God gives him a little shade. And then the next day, God causes that shade to die. And, and, and so then... Jonah is so upset, he just wants to die. And God's like, what's wrong? And he's like, I just, just, I just want to die. 
It's like, so you love this plant more than these people? Yes, just kill me, God. And that's how the story ends. Honestly, read it tonight. That's the end of the story. But what if there was a chapter 5? What if Jonah told Nineveh after they repented how much God loved them? What if he went back and discipled the people of Nineveh? What if he went back and told them and taught them to reject the idols and to begin to worship the, the true God, Yahweh? What if he brought in Levites to teach and to train and preach to the people? What if he shared with them, God said, if you do this, you'll be blessed, and if you do this, you'll be cursed. What if he shared that with them? What if he trained them up in righteousness? What if he went back and said, God really does love you guys? Because God's message goes far beyond just the Israelites. You know when the children of Israel left Egypt, when they were delivered, it said anybody could go with them. And now we're invited through the cross, all of us, into this relationship with God. What if there was a chapter 5? What if there was a, a... a moment where Jonah went back and shared the love of God with these hurting people. The reality is, is that he really did hate Nineveh. He really didn't want to offer any hope. And in fact, in fact, he refused to offer hope to those hungry for the love of God. What does that mean for us today? It is very easy to look at our world and condemn our world. When you look at America... When you look at all the wars and rumors of war, you look at everything, it's very easy to condemn this world. And the way I view the end times and the Lord's return, it's not going to get any better, guys. I know that. So it's very easy to sit here in these walls and condemn the world and, and, and say, well, things are really bad. But that's not what we're allowed to do. Jesus says, go and make disciples. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how they might spit in your face or reject your message, but, but I want you to go and tell them. There's only two things that you and I cannot do in heaven. One is sin, and the other is share the love of God with a lost and dying world. God kept you around for a reason, and it isn't so you can sin a little bit more before you go to heaven. It's that you can share His love with a lost and dying world. That's the chapter 5 that I want our church to write in the coming years. Is that we go and we make disciples. We teach them everything Jesus. And it may not be popular, and people may not want to hear it, but he says, go and tell the world. Tell them that they need to be connected to him and, and offer those ways through retreats or something creative. Or just whatever, however God leads you to witness and to share your faith, but to connect people to God, to bring them into his family, to connect them with people and to tell them you were created for a reason and for a purpose, something only you can do in your life and in your family. And so as a church, we want to help you and encourage you and challenge you. And so I want to tell you what we're going to be doing this summer. This summer, we're going to begin, you see in your bulletin, we're going to begin what we call a summer road trip through Romans. I was going to teach on Romans actually later, but I'm going to do it this summer. And the reason is, is because there's a lot of questions right now about heaven and hell. Are they real? Do they exist? The eternity and, and all those questions. There's a lot of questions about salvation. Can anybody be saved? Does God only choose a few people to be saved? All these different things that are, that are out there. And, and Romans deals with them all. 
And so I'm going to kind of go chapter by chapter, and it may take us into the fall, but I want to teach you from the book of Romans. I want, to, I want to teach you what God's Word says about all these things that we have and the life that we have in Christ. And so we're going to equip you and train you on the weekends as we preach. Now next weekend, uh, I'm going to be traveling, but uh, you're going to love to hear that Pastor June Evans is going to be here next weekend, and, and she's fantastic, and you're going to love her. And then we have a, a special Father's Day, and then after Father's Day, we'll begin the Romans Road Trip. And uh, so that's coming up. I also want to start a prayer meeting called Be Still Prayer Gatherings. And, and there's going to be a kind of a DVD presentation and then a time of prayer. And that's going to begin on the last uh, Wednesday of June. The last Wednesday of June. We'll do it once in June, once in July, and then see how it fits into the fall. But uh, again, we want you to be a part of these prayer gatherings. And um, we're going to have to meet in a different place because our, our young people will be in here. But uh, I have an idea um, to use the Ignite Room upstairs. And so uh, we're going to have prayer meetings on Wednesday night. Uh, the last Wednesday night, you can see it in uh, your calendar that's in the bulletin. We're going to begin community groups. And uh, this is something that was kind of birthed out of the, the, the stopping of, of our West Campus meeting on the weekends. And, and again, we talked about that already. But um, there's such a great small group out there that meets together and laughs together and cries together and shares life together. And it's, the reason is they've had years together to, to grow. And, and so um, that takes a long time to develop. But what I want us to see is how many people live in our neighborhoods. And I want us to get together with people that, that we, we do life with. And I was amazed when I looked at the map and, and what we had uh, the office do is they took a map of, of the Chicagoland area and show by, by uh, families and individuals where people live and, and it's unbelievable how spread out we are, but yet how many people live in each of our areas. A lot of people say, well, nobody drives from my area. It was amazing to find out. I live in Des Plaines, which is close, but how many people live in Des Plaines? And, and, uh, and such a, a diversity, and I just can't wait to get together and hang out with them. And, and uh, you know, just because we live life together. And, and we're going to have several groups in Mount Prospect because Mount Prospect is uh, kind of a, a hub here. But uh, we're going to go all the way out to the west, obviously. Uh, we, got, we got a group up north in kind of a Lake County, North Shore area, all the way down south, more by O'Hare or even farther south, uh, Skokie, Niles, Chicago area. And um, so we're going to have 10 community groups that are going to begin, and you can begin to sign up for those next weekend. But uh, here's the other reason, and this is going to sound morbid, I know, but I want you to know who's in your community in case you ever need them. I want to tell you, you never know. Someday they might say it's illegal to preach the gospel. It's illegal to come to church. And I want you to know who lives in your neighborhood, where you can start a house church with somebody and, and begin to worship together. And so I want you to know who lives in your neighborhood, who lives in your, your town. And, and so when I'm arrested and in prison, you guys can keep meeting, all right? And, uh, and just pray for me. And like Peter, the Lord will release me. I'll come knocking on the door of your prayer meeting or something. I don't know. And I don't want to talk more, but I'm just being silly. But I also believe it's very important because the other thing is when you come on a Saturday night or Sunday morning, then you can see other people. I never knew you lived a few blocks away. You know, or I never knew that you lived in my town. You know, so again, and this will be the first meeting will be the last Sunday. We're going to do a picnic the last Sunday of June, and we're going to be meeting in these 10 locations, and you can find out where those are next week. We'll have a big table for sign-up. And again, so community groups, I believe, are very important to the strategy of writing Chapter 5. Because here's the reality. I can invite a lot of neighbors to church, and I do, and they never come. Maybe they come for a Christmas musical or something like that. But if I told them I'm having a barbecue in my backyard, 
or I'm, I'm heading over down the street for a barbecue, why don't you come? They'll go to that. And you know what's going to be funny? The Lord's going to come up while we're talking. So, you know, I mean, honestly, let's, um, let's share the gospel any way that we can. Uh, another thing is VBS happens uh, that week that we have community groups, and it's a minute to win it. And I don't know if you watch that on TV. I actually have never seen it, but I hear it's really funny and fun. And the kids are going to do those games, but they're also going to talk about things you can do in a minute, like get saved and baptized and all these cool things. So they're going to talk about uh, that. And um, again, invite people to church, continue to grow. Let me just say this, too, uh, about the summer and, and the fall, is that there's so much in your bulletin and there's so much in the lobby that we can't just talk about on a weekend. We take a weekend like this to kind of share what God is doing, but we can't talk about this every week. And in the lobby alone, we have books for needs that, for kids that are in need that you can bring children's books for them, or, or you can write a letter to the troops, or... Um, there's so many different things out there in the lobby alone, let alone inside of your bulletin, that you can be a part of. And as pastor, I can't tell you about all those things. What we have to do is we just have to look around and see. And so come to church with eyes wide open. What's going on? How can I help? How can I minister? What can I bring? Um, and, and then keep your eyes open for people that might be hurting. Again, that's part of maturity. Maturity isn't doing what you're told. It's, it's doing what you should be doing, opening your eyes and seeing and doing it. And so, again, when you come to church, you see, how can I serve? Where can I, where can I go? And again, it's all out in the lobby inside your bullets. And so keep your eyes open in the summer and the fall. In the fall, I'm excited to announce that we're going to be doing what we call the 40 Days of the Word. Rick Warren and Saddleback Church, this is their latest um, 40 Days uh, curriculum. But the reason I'm so excited about this one is for 40 days, we learn about the Word of God. We learn about the Bible. We memorize Scripture. There's nothing greater than getting the Word inside of you. And so we're going to do 40 days of the Word this fall. In 2012, I'm happy to announce the beginning on Wednesday nights in 2012, I'm going to teach my Life of Christ class on Wednesday nights. And I'm going to do it in the sanctuary. We're going to do it uh, via video as well. So if you can't make it, you can watch it home. Uh, we'll also put the videos online. And I'm going to go from the beginning of the year, which will be about Christmas time, the advent of Christ coming, and we're going to try and walk it through and try and get it done by um, uh, Palm Sunday, Easter, that time so we walk through to his death and just walk through his life. If you've never studied the life of Christ in depth, it will change your life. And uh, so I'm excited to share that with you, and we're going to begin that in the beginning of 2012. It's important to remember that we're in this and doing this because we are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. That's our relationship. And why do we go to church? Why, does, why do we worship the Lord? Why do we connect with Him? Why do we do all these things? And, and, and I love Ephesians 5.27 when, when they're just talking about Jesus and the church. He says this, In order to present to the church to Himself in all its beauty, pure and faultless, without spot or wrinkle, or any other imperfection. That's why we love Jesus, because he loves us. That's why we follow him. That's why we go when he says go. That's why we wait when he says wait. Those are his commands to us. The Great Commission, go. Make disciples. Teach everything. I'm going to be with you. And he says, wait. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. I will give you the power to be my witnesses. And so we go when he says go. We wait when he says wait. We just stay sensitive to him so that we can be his people. There's something beautiful about... Uh, a husband and a bride. We recently um, uh, celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary, and we have a tradition. I've shared it over the years, and if you don't know about it, our tradition is Leslie and I on our anniversary ride a Ferris wheel. But not just any Ferris wheel. 
there was a Ferris wheel on the night we got married that was in Mount Prospect Plaza with the carnival. It was the first, the first time they ever used the, the Ferris wheel. It was brand new. And, um, and our whole wedding party got on it, and we rode it, and it was, one, it was the best memory of the day. We have all the pictures still. It was just, and so every year we ride the Ferris wheel. Well, if you notice, there was no Ferris wheel this year because they're building a new bank over there because we don't have enough banks. And, um, <clears throat> and um, so I really hope it's coming back. So, so I, I was like, I, I text Leslie because I read in the paper the Ferris wheel wasn't coming, and I, I was like, what does this mean for our marriage? And um, so, but um, my mission was to find that Ferris wheel and surprise her and take her to it. And so I found it at the old Santa's Village on Route 25. That's where the carnival was. And so I surprised her and we went on the Ferris wheel and I, and I took our picture. And I just, when I was riding that Ferris wheel, I was looking at her and I was just, and to me, Leslie's the most beautiful person in the world. And I mean that, um, like, on the outside, yes, but on the inside as well. She's just precious. And, and as I was riding with her, because trust me, we don't always feel that way about each other. There's uh, many times like, and you are? No. Um, but, uh, but riding the Ferris wheel, I just remembered she's my bride and how much I loved her and how many ups and downs there were in the 17 years. And, and um, sometimes we had to search for things, like searching for the Ferris wheel. But you know what? I just I wouldn't trade places with anybody, and I just and just to realize that's how much God loves you. That's how much He loves His church, and uh, we just need to love Him right back. We love Him by worshiping, by sharing, by going, by waiting on Him, and that's the kind of church I want to be. And so I'm going to invite Leanne to come back, and just very quietly, we're going to sing an old Keith Green song. But I just want us to reignite our hearts with a passion for the Lord. And I know it was a lot of kind of news and information tonight, but I want us to just reignite that the real reason, we're on a mission, guys. It's not just about coming to church on the weekend and it'll be here for the next generation if the Lord tarries and all. No, we're on a mission for God. And so what we do is we come, we get equipped, and then we go. And, uh, and we serve Him wherever He takes us. And uh, we support those who serve him and can't support themselves. And uh, so would you bow your heads and your hearts with me tonight?